We don't do that here. But the Uh, did we talk last time about the um, the fact that Dana's basically going to be awarding no pay-per-view points to any champion on the next card? Did we speak about that last time? Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Apologies, time time's a bit of a weird time, <laughs> a lapse for me in the last few weeks, but yeah, because because uh, John Jones has dropped out, he was the defending champion. He would have been getting pay-per-view points. And because it's now for an interim belt, there is no champion, so neither of those is going to um, get pay-per-view points. No vacant matter who wins, and interim. Regardless. Yeah, and the other one is a vacant title, so there's no champion. So <laughs> oh, man. Is... <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a slimeball move. Well, that, that kind of feeds into... That, that sort of leads into the whole Ngannou discussion, right? That was sort of his beef to some extent, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was... He wanted, he wanted more from the pay-per-view bias he was generating, and the UFC was saying no. What was it he said on Joe Rogan? They were paying him like, what was it, a dollar or something per pay-per-view buy? Or no, it wasn't that, but it was, it was something crazy. Like, there's uh, a scale, isn't there? There's, there's like, I think, above X amount of buys, it's, uh, I could probably find out for good. I think above X amount of buys, it's like a dollar you get. And then, like above three hundred thousand, you get like three dollars. And then I think if you're doing over a million, you get like ten or something per. Buy. It's something like that. The hierarchy. Let's see if we can quickly uh, do a bit of fact checking. Progressive pay scale. A dollar fifty per eighty dollar pay per view. They're giving him a dollar fifty. What the f- what? <laughs> <clears throat> do some quick quick calculations here. I mean, quick math. I mean, your average UFC pay-per-view probably pulls in maybe 200k. Yeah, yeah, probably. So, what is that? Three hundred thousand dollars? Something like that. Oh, Which sure. for a fighter of his caliber, that's insane. Um, this is going to be controversial here. Ngannou's known to have blown all his money that he made. Like he, there's articles that he was having to live on like his coach's um, sofa for like the last couple of years. Now. I'm not disputing for a second that he didn't get paid what he was worth, but I think it, I think it did. I did the sums. He earned something in the region of like two million, I think. So let's half that for taxes in the US. Let's say that's a million over the course of like two or three years. To blow a million in two or three years, come on now, come on. And he's walking around in this like lavish jewelry. He's, he's always walking around in Versace clothes and things like that. It's, you know, I said something in the, the other day and people sort of laughed at me. I said, he, he, he'll he be boxing into his 40s because he'll go broke. You know, he's a guy who's come from nothing. From what it appears, he doesn't have good money management skills. I hope he's hiring people around him to help him manage his money. Yeah, you know, that's, but... I think um, just a boxing parallel there is uh, Jojo Diaz, who you take the kid out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of the kid. Like he yeah, now that he has money, he wants to do all the shit he dreamed of when he was younger. I can relate to that a little bit myself. Yeah, same here. Yeah. I think the same thing happened to Andy Ruiz, right? Like after the fight, yeah. he's like, "Oh, this is life changing money, and it's like I can take care of my family now." And like a week later, he's bought three new cars, and he's all of a sudden he's got this squad that follows him around. He's buying them all, you know, jewelry and shit. Royces. Yeah. 
absurd. <laughs> to his point, though, I mean, he grew up so kind of su such an impoverished life. It's like he basically had no money. He grew up he got destitute. To the UFC. Right. So he like yeah. probably has no idea how to even manage money, and that's not like a a criticism of a guy. Just it's like, not a know, moral failing. He... Right. It's like he he just doesn't know, um, and so he he really needs people around him, smart people in his life to help him with that, or at least teach him, that, that, you know? Surely, I know it's not their job, and I know Dana's always saying it's an opportunity and you're independent contractors, but surely that should be something that they should be helping with. You know, they gave them this, you know, they, they let them train at the PI, they gave them the best nutrition, they'll give them the best trainers, but they won't help them manage their money after. Especially when you look at somebody like Chuck Liddell, who is known to be one of Dana's best friends. Dana was paying Chuck Liddell 500 grand a year not to fight after he retired because of because of the amount of brain trauma he was taking. Now, why is it one case for Chuck, who's your friend, who beat up a guy who was one of your sworn enemies in theater, but when it comes to the rest of your roster, you basically... Not that you don't give a fuck, it's... It's, it's even worse than that you want to screw them over because you want them to have to be hanging on to that tail slip from you guys. The more I hear about UFC, man. the more I dislike them. <laughs> it is funny when, like, I know boxing is certainly not the... Definitely uh, not some the, golden child. Uh, of, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll talk about the differences between the two sports when we get into the, the Fury fight, but, like... I mean, you'll hear people talking nonstop about boxing corruption, but MMA is like, I mean, it is, it is worse. It feels, it feels worse to me in some ways, just because there is such an ego. Like at least boxing kicked out Don King or whatever, and those types. With MMA, it's like it's out of sight, out of mind. Well, with UFC in particular, like you don't. These are behind the scenes negotiations where the fighters are getting screwed over, whereas like shitty decisions we all see it because the camera's right there but we're not in the back rooms uh with hearing about like 85 cents per pay-per-view purchase so nobody really knows you don't even need to you don't need to be there man like if you've ever been to if you've ever watched one of the press conferences either a post-fight press conference or a pre-fight it's the same 15 journalists that get, that get asked the same questions in the same orders and if Somebody asked Dana or a fighter a question that's even slightly off kilter from what Dana likes. That person is banned from covering the sport ever again. Look what happened to Ariel Hawani. He yep. did his job as a journalist. He broke a story. And look what Dana did to him. He blacklisted him from ESPN. <laughs> you know, he chased him out of Showtime when the Mayweather-McGregor stuff was on as well. He tried to, at least. He's a petty bit of bold cunt. There, uh, there I said it. There, there. Dana is an arsehole. He is... He is the white man's Don King in MMA. There, I said it. That's very controversial, Chief. That's a. I'm not sure how that's gonna fly. <laughs> the dude is. A, he's a fucking sleazeball. Like you can. I don't know. Just hearing him talk, he's a fucking slimeball. I. I would. I don't know if I would take Don King over Dana White, but it's like, do I want to? Do I want to get blasted in the ass by Dana White or? Do I stick with Don King, who's blasting my ass? Politics is just all one big ass it blast. Is coast You're to gonna coast. hit your ass blast. Nationwide okay, ass blast. No more. I, I, as, as I've got older and um, 
Leo, your life experiences will speak to this a lot more, in, in particular what's going on in the Middle East at the moment, but you learn to recognise the patterns of speech yeah. in what they say and how they react to questions and the way they deflect. And it's like, you just you just get this scent of bullshit from Dana. I just get it all the time. You know, Every time, it, it, his favourite line, this is his absolute favourite line. And I'm sure if I could be bothered, I could find you 50 examples right now on YouTube. It'll be, ex-fighter doesn't want to fight. And I'm sure, I, I'm sure Nathan, you've heard that a million times before as well. He said it about Nganu. He said it about John Jones for a few years when the heavyweight stuff was going on. Um, hell, 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 it was a big one he was saying it about for a while. He didn't want to fight with the Diaz brothers. He was saying it about them for a while. Oh, yeah, it's like whoever whoever's not not cooperating with the company, it's like, oh, well, they just don't want to fight. That's very, yeah, very yeah. common thing. It's He's got that kind of like used car salesman vibe about him, doesn't he? Yes. That's, that's the yeah. kind of the, oh, the vibe sleazy. I get. Sleazy. Perfect. Yeah. And but on the on the flip side of the coin, the golden children like Connor, you'll hear him say, "Oh, Connor never turns down a fight. You never ring Connor, and he never turns down a fight." You always hear him say that about Connor. You always say it about Ronda. You know. <laughs> Did he do that oh, with yeah, Brock Lesnar? Um. Well, Brock Lesnar, he gave the. Um, the Brock Lesnar is a funny one, isn't it? I think we spoke about this last time, didn't we? The USADA thing. The Brock yeah. Lesnar he gave him the special pass to come back, didn't he? So yeah. Dana's all about the bag. If if you get in the way of his profits, he's gonna make you his worst enemy. But if he'll make you his best friend, if you're you know the ticket to success. So Connor, Brock, Ronda, any anyone with like a if you re- and I think Sean O'Malley's probably gonna be up there too. I mean, his superstar power looks like it could be insane and so expect a lot of that yeah well that was quite the intro (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness i don't know if ultimate fucking casual is the proper name for that because that was some inside baseball kind of talk that was good though (laughs) it's really it's really good to hear um i'm glad that we're uh taking the helwani side of approaching the discussion i when i went i was at a jake paul versus um anderson silva and i went to the post-fight presser and it was like you said it was the same fucking people that sounded like just canned questions that they say all the time i don't know if they're the same people but it seemed like they're very much used to being around each other there's um please please listeners uh, what's the big guy called? It's the guy that Colby always has to do um, press-ups before he answer his question. What's his name? John Morgan, that's it. He's like, uh, he's got that sort of like curly hair. He's always the first guy that Dana lets ask a question. And then there's this older guy as well. Um, I think he might cover boxing too. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But those are always the first two guys that get to ask the questions and they're in the club, as it were. Mm. Okay, let's do the intro stuff. Uh, hmm. This is the ultimate fucking casual. My name is Leo. I don't know a whole lot about MMA while well, I'm learning, as you might have heard. Uh, but I'm joined by my good friends Nathan and Chief, and they're going to school me up. Pulling up our bootstraps, oiling up a couple of asses, and doing a little plowing of our own. 
not gay sex. Oh, okay, because okay, that's okay, what okay. it sounded like. <laughs> so the first intro topic I got here was the Bellator uh, PFL sort of merger. Bellator's being absorbed by PFL. Um, it looks like the deal is done, and it should go into effect January 1st. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's kind of weird how... I'm not sure how they're going to do that, because the way Be Bellator is structured like UFC, the, the rules are made up and the rankings don't matter. Just whoever is the bigger names, those are the guys who are going to fight each other. Whereas PFL has a pretty rid rigid league structure. With, uh, it was interesting to read about. It's, it's an interesting concept. Uh, the two guys that are... Which uh, we'll kind of touch on it later. But the two guys that are fighting on the 24th for the heavyweight championship. One of those guys, he was the number one seed in heavyweight two years running. But in, in, but in his three heavyweight finals appearances, he lost. So this is like his fourth attempt. It's kind of strange. I'm not sure how they're going to put Bellator into that. Or the Bellator roster. I wonder if that league structure just gets kind of demolished anyway. Because I always felt like that was a bit of a gimmick to like separate itself from the UFC. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have a season. But like, even if you can only do like three fights to the championship, that's still like very difficult to do as, an M as a professional MMA fighter. I mean, it just, it's too difficult of a sport. There's too much damage you take. It's, having to go through I mean, the season again to get right, to well, a like, championship fight right like even someone like i don't know you know boxing analogy canelo he takes his training ultra seriously and he's got the best training staff ever i mean he can barely fight three times a year i think he's only done it a couple times recently and mma it's like you're kind of lucky if you see a guy twice a year so it's just a it's a difficult sport to kind of because then your seasons start getting stretched into the next year, and it's like, well, what is this? You know, how do you how do you keep up with that? It's not the same as like football or basketball, which I think they were trying to like you know ape something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what they were trying to do was NFL, NBA, um, sort of a like meritocracy, I guess, M meritocratic leagues of sport. <laughs> it's the, it's the natural sort of life cycle of the fighting athlete, as it were. If, if we Define that as a subclass um, of sport. Even Mayweather, you know, he used to fight. He used to fight what in like near somewhere near Cinco de Mayo, and then he'd May fight in September. September, wouldn't he? Yeah, um, I think I, I think I heard this from uh, Conor McGregor's coach uh, John Cavanaugh on the MMA podcast. I think mean, just as they get older, you, you just can't maintain the sort of high intensity work. And you taking it's just the nature of you. We need to. Sh stay sharp in that sport you need to be sparring and even if you're not doing hard sparring all the time you have to be doing a little bit of hard sparring and just as you get older the wear and tear on your body you know as good as medicine is now you know you can have injuries repaired but not everything's repairable right you know and it, it, it it's just again as you wait you can't nobody defeats father time do they yeah the human I mean, condition you can't you can't reverse the yeah. clock, the age, the wear and tear that your body takes, even just living naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I mean, you get you get you get shorter as you age. You, you, you literally as you get as, as yeah. you get into if you measure yourself, you, you, you literally see old men and old women they shrink as they age just because of gravity over time. You know, it's, I know it's, it sounds like a really stupid, simple thing to equate to, but it's, 
it's a complex interwoven systems and when when you're damaging muscles over and over and there's only so much repairing your body can do after a while and you can have the best nutrient you can take even if you're taking the best steroids in the world you know after a while you're going to end up looking like liver king with a bloated belly and you know like bulging intestines and stuff like that like so, just perpetual oh, beet red face yeah yeah oh the all the the dana white joe rogan hgh head thing that yeah they've the got tom- going, they're just Tomato. Yeah, yeah tomato. There you go. Similarly, uh, I something I do on you know just personally, I foster animals. I ended up doing a they call it phospice, where you take a, a like a senior that doesn't have a lot of time left, and that okay. it was like the overtime thing. Like she would get progr- she would get sick, and then she would it take a while, but she would get better. She'd get sick again. And then it would take even longer to get better, and it just gets to the point where you're, she's not getting better anymore. And like, and that's just like a little cat, you know what I mean? <laughs> the organic, uh, condi- yeah, I... the organic being, just decays. It, it's funny you say that, Leo, because it's been a while since he made an appearance, and uh, I, I don't think he's afraid of the fireworks, is Brock. But he's, he's looking at me right now, is Brock. He's sat on the landing because uh, my wife's having a bath, and uh, he, he's he's about fifteen now. And he's, I think he's got a bit of a dementia because he sort of attacks us a bit sometimes. And he goes through little phases where he's sleeping all day and he's not eating and stuff. And then he comes out of it and he goes back into it. And it's just a natural, it's just a natural, you know, progression of life, isn't it? It You've got to let go at some point. (sighs) Which is something, it comes back to fighting, doesn't it? It's something that, uh, we spoke about this last time with Volkanovsky where he, he said he was struggling not fighting. You know, we, we we saw this with Ali. I mean, a lot of fighters come back for monetary reasons, of course, but a lot of these guys, they struggle to move on to something else when their career's finished. And that's when we see, you know, the sad cases like Holyfield, uh, you know, a few months ago, or however long it was ago, when we, you know, we see him just an absolute shell of a human being in the ring there. And a guy like Volkanovsky, he would, he burns the candle at both ends because he's oh, trying yeah. to stay in competition all the time because he can't really handle regular life for whatever reasons he has but burning yeah burning the candle at both he, ends uh, he, it's not like he's gone into fighting as his first love either he played, he played rugby league as a first spot and I can tell you firsthand that is not so I've, I've watched a lot of uh, one of the reasons I stopped playing um, at the age I did a lot of my friends were getting injuries and you know, they can't afford the best private kind of stuff. Like I've got friends now, like one of my really good friends, he, he got he got really bad torn rotator cuff and he, he can't move his arm above his head. He's had it operated on like four times. And you know, and it's just just for a bit of fun on a Sunday afternoon with your friends, it's you know Yeah. Is the juice worth the squeeze? That's, yeah, and that's disregarding the head damage that you take. Um there's there's a famous case in the UK and we're getting off east here, but it does come back to CT. There's a famous case over here uh, in, in the UK at the moment. He's a rugby player called Rob Burrow. Um, he was extremely successful. He was, he, do you know what? Actually, he's like Volkanovski's size and build. And he's um, he's developed motor neuron disease. And he's a shell of himself now. He, he doesn't even look like the same person. He can't look after himself. He has to be assisted around in his wheelchair. His wife's a full-time carer. Oh, and that's just, just from playing the sport. It looks pretty... Yeah. You know, and yeah, that's a lot. It is a lot, and 
This this is why I have such a bee in my bonnet with people like Dana and like Don King who milk these guys with no assistance after their career is over to help them transition into something else. Or even if they just give them an office job. Absolutely you know, no guilt, no remorse. They don't give a shit as long as they're getting money. No. Yeah, and that's the sad thing though. These guys are like making absolute bank off these guys. Like they are not hurting. They have more money than they know what to do with, and they can't He's even a spare a small amount of it to take care of these guys after their careers. Dana's a billionaire. Uh, uh, I was about to say Dana them. could stop taking a cut of every event from now until he retires, and he would be completely fine. I I take it a step further. He could probably lose money. He could probably lose ten million on every event he does for the next three years, and still live the exact same standard of life that he does now. I'd imagine, because what he he had twenty five cent stake in Zoo for right when they sold it to WME. They sold it for four billion, right? So that so what he probably netted somewhere in the region of a billion. He's no matter no matter what happens to him, he's he's doing whatever he wants. Whenever he wants. Yeah. You know, for the rest of his life. And his children are too. Well, let's get rolling into the recaps <laughs> on that sorry, somber man. fucking note. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's completely warranted. Uh, and that's we these conversations need to happen again and again and again to keep reminding people. This is like you need to know the cost of what you're watching, uh, you the price that they're paying for your entertainment, yeah. and the people who are, I don't like predators just or it, it's like industrial farming, just animals lined up being milked. Uh, let's get to a oh right, there was a one FC card on the 27th. That was a Friday of Octo in October. My notes on this one is, I refuse to find more information or watch it out of complete spite. Because the goddamn website didn't have anything. Uh, but, what I did watch, Fury vs. Ah. So, my note on this one is, uh, Fury wins by split decision, question mark. Slight correction here, it was not split, it was a unanimous decision, but the larger point still stands. Really? Uh, like, did he? Uh, hashtag fuck Tyson Fury? Uh, did he so win? Me. Uh, I, I think he won, but in the most, like, embarrassing way possible. Like, I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place on this, because, you know, I'm on board of the fuck Tyson Fury... You know, fan club here. We're on that bandwagon, but at the same time, like the whole, I, I get wrapped up in the whole boxing versus MMA discussions probably more often than I should. And you know, I was still like, well, you know, I don't want <laughs> this to be. This shouldn't be close just to for the for boxing sake. Not that that really matters to anyone other than me. So just to see Ngannou go in there, it's his debut fight. He's 37 years old. And he's putting the lineal heavyweight champion on the floor, and he's like, I mean, he embarrassed him. He I did. mean, it was a, it was yeah. one of the worst showings from, it absolutely the worst showing from a boxer in these crossover fights that we've ever seen. And I mean, he kind of almost makes them makes a mockery of the sport when it's like, there there almost is an argument that 
the boxing had to rob the MMA guy for the boxer to win. I mean, it's what a disaster of an event. So really, I, I do mean it when I say it this time. Fuck Fish and Fury. What <laughs> the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think let, let's start with that. And Ganu didn't just show up for a pay, for a paycheck. Absolutely not. He clearly he clearly wasn't been trained by Mike Tyson. That that's one of the things that's leading me to believe that there might be some sort of orchestrated, like the the way that they flew all these boxers out there, and the, I, I don't know, it just the whole sports washing element as well. The spectacle of it. it. Yes, the spectacle of it, and. Ngannou did really well, and it, whoever whoever did do the game plan, whether it was his, um, I, I, I can't remember the name of his MMA coach, but they clearly worked on hitting Ngannou in and just after the clinch. Uh, sorry, Fury, in and just after the clinch. They, they clearly either watched tape or they sort of thought, we can use Ngannou's MMA awkwardness, for lack of a better term, to catch Fury when he's least expecting it. And I think you saw it a few times. Even if he was hitting shoulders quite a few of the times, he was catching Fury by surprise. And even the shot that put Fury down, it, it, he didn't see that coming whatsoever. No. And I don't even think it was particularly that hard a shot. There didn't seem to be that much. Uh, and is a big guy. I'm not saying like you know he's a leather duster or anything, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like the he... hardest. It wasn't the hardest shot that, that we've ever seen. Definitely not. Yeah. And Ngannou's known, at least in MMA, for his big, winding, wild, you know, ravenous exchanges where he swings wildly to the fences like the uh, Overeem knockout. And we saw none of that. And in that respect, he did make a mockery of Fury because Fury's best attribute, I think even, even his most ardent hitter, like me would say, is his boxing brain, his movement, his footwork, etc. Mm-hmm. He should have been able to nullify a guy like Ngannou with his eyes closed, really. And... Did he not train? Did he not take it seriously? What was it? I do think it's a little bit of both. Like, Ganu definitely overperformed where we thought. Um, Especially, like, in his cardio. I cannot believe he was still throwing in round 10. Like, the fact that he was not, like, I don't know, dead by then uh, was really impressive. He really did take his training seriously. And I remember that... uh, it was like a four or five punch combination he landed in uh, round eight, where it was just like it, it almost looked like Connor esque, like when he knocked out Eddie Alvarez. It was like, ooh, ooh. I was yeah. like, what? What is going on? This is this is not making any sense. And I think that you definitely have to give Ngannou credit because that doesn't just happen out of nowhere. He definitely did the work to refine his striking and you know not give in to his kind of windmill tendencies. But yeah. this is also just looking at the eye test maybe the worst i've ever seen fury like i was gonna say that i i he he just looked he looked like he didn't train this is punching himself in the face level type of stuff right (laughs) the sephiri panetta type fucking steve cunningham decking him type of stuff so i mean who knows maybe he's back on the coke uh, or he was like he's he's got this um, tendency to blow up between fights now. It's like after the second Wilder fight on, you'd see these kind of big yo-yos in his body size. And, you know, it, I remember when they first did the the kickoff, he looked massive. Like, he was over yeah. 300 pounds. when he was they fat uh, as fuck. 
you know, so even if he did train hard, get your training from th 300 plus pounds, like what kind of shape are you even in then? So, you know. You're cutting weight more than you are training to fight. Right. In the... I, 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 oh, I'm go. sure you get, oh, I was going to say, I, I'm sure you guys will talk about this more in B-Sides, but I'm really interested to see how he looks in February versus Usyk. Yeah. Because if he looks like this, he's losing that fight 100%. He, you think that's what happened still? Uh, I thought they announced it's on. that it would happen in February. Yeah, it's on. They pushed it back a few months. Haven't they? Fury haven't needs they a longer about... camp. I don't know. I just, I just, I doubt that fight ever happens. I really do. But uh, I think he just mess. He'll mess Usyk around forever. I feel. Yeah, I mean, he, he might. I really hope he doesn't. But I mean, we all know Fury's history on this stuff. Right. But... We'll see. He probably is eager to. I, I Fury strikes me as a very prideful man, so the fact that he's getting dunked on by everyone right now, uh, he may actually be motivated to do something that would silence those critics. Yes. Uh, for I'm gonna. I think it's partly me really disliking Tyson Fury as a person. That I I'm I'm firmly in the camp that Ngannou squeaked by to win. Uh, Fury, Fury, winning by the skin of his teeth is not un it's not unreasonable, but I don't think he did personally. As far as how Ngannou had success, is a lot of what you guys said. I'm just kind of going to repeat it a little bit, but it was a bit of column A and column B. Fury didn't take this seriously. He didn't trade as hard as he could have, should have. Um, Ngannou, it did not come to just get paid he came to win uh, he came to make a statement at the very least and he absolutely succeeded as far as what happens next for fury that is where i'm gonna make a super awesome plug we're gonna talk about that on b-sides a little bit later but what's next for Nganu? we're gonna talk about right now so we we were talking about that i think before we before we started before we like got formally rolling but is he going to box more given his success or the, I got these three names they're from the ESPN an ESPN article I'm not they're not mine I didn't I don't claim to have found these but for like the PFL uh, league structure the top two names I got here are Dennis Goldsov and Renan Ferreira those two are in the heavyweight final so they're going to the champion will be decided on the 24th. And so that would, that seems like one of those two seems like the best move winner or loser. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and the third option was Ryan Bader. Who's the Bellator heavyweight champion. Ryan Bader. It's important to, um, 40 year old, well, a 40 year old light heavyweight Ryan Bader. As yeah. Well. Yeah, Ngannou would thrash both of those guys in a round, like no question. Oh, like yeah. I, I doubt any of any combination of those fights would go more than ninety seconds. Ferreira's has like three. I think it's they're both the top PFL records or whatever for fast stoppages are all his fifty, thirty-one, and twenty-five seconds. But I mean, if you're fighting dad bods with day jobs, well, with a KO pers with. That kind of KO speed, he probably will just come out swinging and yeah. walk straight into an Ngannou punch. So, 
He could also have the distinction of being the, the fastest finish in PFL as well. <laughs> Uh, Goldsoft, that was the guy I mentioned. He has three finals, three appearances in the heavyweight final. Uh, all of them were losses, but of his wins, he has 80, an 80% stoppage ratio, or 80% stoppages, uh, combining submissions and KOs. So a little bit more well-rounded, but also doesn't seem to really step up to the bright lights as well as maybe Ryan Bader could. Yeah, he um, he didn't quite cut the mustard in the UFC at light heavyweight, and that's why he ended up in Bellator at heavyweight and as the champion. So that kind of tells you the level of his ability. I'd imagine Ngannou would absolutely demolish him. So if Ngannou really wants a challenge, he kind of has to handicap himself and go into boxing, like take away his legs and grappling and stuff. Well, that, that was, I think that was a big part of why Stamina looked so impressive. He didn't have to worry about the takedown threat. You know, he didn't, you know, he, he, he didn't have to be constantly cautious of kicks. He didn't have to be constantly yes. cautious of grappling exchanges. He didn't even have to be consciously cautious of the, um, you know, work up against the fence. And I, I, I think that's really what worked in his favour. And I think that's why one of the big reasons why Stamina looked so good. That was something I wanted to bring up that I forgot about the Fury and Ganu thing and like crossover fights in general is uh, like boxing versus MMA. I don't know. It to me, it's kind of like a it's just kind of a stupid discussion. Like you, I don't know. I take those crossover fights. I take those in a vacuum because like Anderson Silva looked awesome. Uh, Jose Aldo yeah. looked awesome. Conor McGregor looked like shit. And oh, I he no. he boxed fucking horribly. Oh come on, man! Against TBE, come on. I guess that does come give on. it a bit of context come that on. he was fighting the like a fucking generational great, all time great. Uh, still, like he <laughs> couldn't let go of a lot of his MMA tendencies, which caused him problems. It did, but he was not. Ne- like, he was never going to win that fight. No. <laughs> you know, it was... Everyone, you know, everyone... A lot of people got swept up into the hype of uh, Connor's power and his four-ounce Um But I, I I think he acquitted himself extremely well. I, I, I think he did himself proud. Is he a great boxer or is he a good boxer? No, of course not. But did he go over there? Did he represent... Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. think if Conor Hunt have done so well, there's no way you'd have seen that in Garner Fury fight. No way. Yeah, I think uh, if, if nothing else, I mean, he made that fight fun as hell. Like, that was a fun fight. So yeah. he gave a good account of himself, at the very least. Yeah. All right, that's fair. I can, I can, yeah, I can get on board with that. But it wasn't the best performance of, like, the... MMA guys going into boxing like Aldo had a much easier yeah yeah and uh, Silva also had it pretty easy because like Jake Paul as much as I love him for the memes but uh, he's not that good Uh, still Silva did do us a favor by embarrassing Chavez Jr. though before he he got toasted by Jake 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Travis Jr. getting hit with pizza. That was great. <laughs> nah, if only we got that. Um, if only we got that silver Roy Jones fight back in like 2010 <sighs> time. It was meant to happen. Oh, that was great. Uh, that was. This is a very random little tidbit, but. Uh, one of the funniest things I've ever seen is Joe Rogan talking about Anderson Silva beating Chavez Jr. And he's trying to hype up Chavez. Like, that guy's a world champion. That guy's a Ooh. legit boxer. And I was like, oh, my I, God. Is he, though? <laughs> is he? <laughs> but Joe, Joe, whenever he talks about boxing, if you guys watch his podcast, it's like he only talks about the 90s and and previous yeah. to that like he doesn't know anything about the current day so he just sees chavez and he's like oh chavez senior you know his son must be good and it's his not so every time i hear him talk he says things right and i think oh joe if joe gets it he likes boxing he does and then he'll say some of the next sentence and it'll be like oh no shut the fuck up <laughs> those are the only parts of joe rogan that i do like of his show that i watch or listen to are his interviews with boxers like his interview with Andre Ward, Deontay Wilder, etc. Right. So yeah, sir. having knowledge yeah. of MMA does give him an ability to ask interesting questions of boxers. But yeah, he doesn't. He has no idea what he's talking about. I think let's not forget as well. He was the guy that was saying that Ronda could like beat up Floyd. Yeah, Look, that was I special. Can't, I can't ever forget. Yeah, I can't ever forget that. That well, was uh, uh, extremely special. <laughs> too, too much of a company man in that at that point. Oh, he's a uh, oh he he. Yeah, where where Dennis left foot goes, Joe's right foot goes as well. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> anything more than Ganu before we get rolling? All right. Uh, there was a another. So the 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 one FC card on the twenty seventh of October was Friday fights. Um, this one on November third was fight night. Still don't understand the difference. Regardless, the this was headlined by uh, Jonathan Haggerty in a, a kickboxing title fight. Um, it was Fabricio Andrade was is the MMA champion. Haggerty is the Muay Thai champion. So they were fighting for the vacant kickboxing championship. It was a it was an interesting fight. I, it was fun. I liked it. Tai Ruotolo. This was a welterweight grappling championship. It was actually kind of entertaining. It, it did go the distance. So, if, you know, if you're into anybody who's partial to boxing, you're not going to like this. So skip it. But I, I found it entertaining anyway. And there were a couple of, of other fun fights. Uh, Halil Amir, Ahmed uh, Mutaba, Mutaba was an MMA fight. It was really fun while it lasted. Um, an interesting decision in kickboxing. Rui Botello versus Ajang Pamian. And there's a fun ladies fight, Christina Morales versus, they just called her Supergirl. And it was also a kickboxing fight. So those are kind of fun. I recommend checking them out. Mm. Now, UFC Fight Night. This was last night for us here in the U.S. Let's start from the bottom up. 
uh, disclosures up front. These these two, I or wait, this bottom one, I don't think I watched. Uh, Kyle Barallo versus Abu Smaga. No, I did watch that one. Never mind. Magomedov. This was middleweights. Uh, you guys stop me if you need to add some flavor to it. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento gets the decision, unanimous decision over Dantelli uh, Maez. These were heavyweights. This uh, not the most entertaining. It seemed a bit like there's a there was a boxing match between heavyweights uh, on on a, a card on ESPN as well. And yeah, it was just uh, two tubs of shit. That's kind of what this one was to me. There's a parallel there. Oh boy, this one was fucking fun. Uh, Nicholas Dalby stops Gabriel Bonfim in the second. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I really going into the second round, I seriously thought Bonfim was gonna win. Like it, I thought it was all but over. And then uh, Dalby, I I thought I was a quite a comeback of the year sort of contender. Yeah, it was a seriously seriously fun fight. Man, uh, so like I have here ultimate fucking calf kicks because Bonfim, anytime he threw one, Dalby was like stumbling, and then he'd follow it up with some punches upstairs, and it it was a, it was working, it was working until it didn't. But those knees were nasty. Disclaimer: I didn't watch this card last night just because I'm trying to get my sleep pattern sorted. Did my boy Derek Lewis win? That is all I care about. No. Uh, no. Ooh. He he uh he he, I'm just gonna be honest with you, Chief. He got ragdolled. Seriously, Ooh. he got thrown around a lot. Uh, towards the <laughs> end, it was it was getting a little bit. I don't know, just two heavy guys completely gassed out, just kind of flopping around a little bit. But yeah, those takedowns oh, yeah. were bad. It and this is this was kind of really. I, I picked Almeida to win, but I, I didn't think I was going to see what, what I just saw. Uh, he is coming up from light heavyweight, and he weighs almost 30 pounds less than Derek Lewis. But the ease that he was able to secure takedowns and like really throw him around the octagon was... I mean, that guy is insanely strong to be able to do that to Derek Lewis. And not only that, but like... There were several moments where, like, after round two, Lewis realized, okay, I just need to start swinging with this guy. If he gets me to the ground, I'm going to be there for the rest of the round. And there were times where it looked like he, you know, was about to have his, like, Derek Lewis moment where he would land some major shot and the guy would just fall over. And he landed some, but Almeida defended well, and he was always able to transition out of that into you know, another single leg or to, to reverse the position on the ground or something like that. Like definitely he played like, it really smart. There's so many, it looked like there were two times where, where I thought, Oh great. Here we go. Lewis is about to like do his thing. Yeah. And he just knocks him out and it's over. Like he just disregards, uh, every MMA convention just wins because he wants to win, <laughs> but that didn't happen. And that's, I think because Almeida stayed so composed. They kept pointing uh, out Derek. the way that, Almeida was taking down uh, Lewis. They kept uh, pointing out like he would grab him at his knees or something like to kind of keep him from being able to use his legs to prevent a takedown. 
I think is what they, yeah. how they were pointing it out. So Derek's also, I mean, in the past at least, it almost became a meme that like grappling didn't work on him because like he'd just stand back up and it, it wouldn't be with like idiot wrestlers either. He'd just like some like big heavy guys on the ground and he'd just like decide to stand back up. Nathan, you you know exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll be someone. He's like someone will be on his back, like looks like they're sinking in like a an arm triangle or something, and he just stands up. And it's like, oh, okay, that didn't. <laughs> he just stands yeah. straight up. He he's so strong, even from the ground. Like his his ability to explode upward is insane. And so the fact that Almeida That's held him cool. down was like, I mean, that was really a masterclass. I like Derek might be finished. What is that? Is that two or three on the spin he's lost now, I think? Since his hometown fight in Austin? Yeah, he's he's not been on... I think, I, I felt really before his last fight that he should have had already been retired and then he won by flying knee, essentially. <laughs> uh, but, oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, he's lost one, two... Oh, he's lost like seven four, and lost like eight or something. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, one, two... Three, four, five. Yeah, four of the last five at least yeah four of the last yeah. five well, well uh, I need a new t- favorite now. you do what now I need a new favorite heavyweight now oh Tom Aspinall baby <sighs> oh maybe not so confident about his fight oh no it's not I'm not confident it's just he's British isn't it he's a bit boring oh yeah for your <laughs> own fair. Derek's a funny guy as well. I think that's like half the appeal for him to me. The just from the boxing side of it, and apparently it's you're carrying it over a little bit. The people who hate British fighters the most are British people. The people who love British no. fighters the most are British people. No, the people who hate the British boxers the most, uh, especially in FP, are most definitely Americans. Huh. Most definitely. Oh. You don't think? Uh, I don't know. I've uh, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of you Brits crapping on the British fighters. Yeah, because there's a lot to hit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think the 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 Brit slander in SP is kind of next level. It is like we we definitely rub it in probably more than we should. De- definitely more than we should. Like I don't I don't know uh, I don't understand where it comes from. Like I'm all about a little bit of banter, but. Like, goddamn, guys, <laughs> settle down a little bit. Uh, the, thing, I, the thing is, I get it because the best fighters mostly have come, the best boxers at least, mostly have come out of America. And, you know, especially the Olympic pedigree as well. You know, a lot of the guys that we've had have kind of been. Meme fighter is maybe the wrong word, but guys like Joshua and. Fury is a bad example. Amir Khan. Amir Khan. Yeah. Or like. Uh, or even like Zora. Like Laywood or something like that. I mean, he even, in some areas, kind of falls into that. Yeah. Um, Carl Zaghi as well, even though he's Welsh, Italian. Yeah. Cordina. Yeah. Is it like really mild mannered? I don't know. Do you know what I think is? I think if they're associated with turn at all, I think that the autumn is like a ten percent like vitriol. 
from the server. Like, it, it, if like there's any sort of close association to her, that like immediately makes oh, them hate. Oh yeah. If they if they're with Mick or with Warren, like it's like they can be like it, it like it gives them a pass to some degree. Because I think I think the I think the Americans uh, get rubbed up. Not not you guys in particular, but I think a lot of maybe not Noir and those guys, but I think a lot of people take her a lot too literally. Like when he says things, I don't think you quite understand. Like when he's been sarcastic sometimes, or when he says things. I mean, he's a he's a prick too. Don't get me wrong, but um, when it's when you when it's when the American promoters doing it, it's like you almost get a pass. You know, it's like I'll I'll aim this god in boxing who controls everything. He can do no wrong. Shit, I'm gonna get some flock for that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we got to keep moving. Um... It, but it, yeah, it is an interesting dynamic hearing it from your perspective. It's a, it's more nuanced than I thought. There was an Australian guy during the Tim Zoo fight who was being really defensive about I Tim Zoo, and I was like, dude, what? Like everybody that's chatting right now, like we're all here because we like Tim Zoo, all right. And then one person said, like, eh, is he really that good? And then that Australian guy fucking lost his shit. Kambusi yeah. fight as well. The, the Kambusi fight. I'm sure that same guy was around as well. Yeah, if you want to see an angry Australian, just say the name Jermel Jer- Charlo, <laughs> and you'll see the worst of him. <laughs> uh, point totals. Point totals. We got uh, Nathan. You picked up the one that we had for the previous re- for the review block. So you're down by ten as the year Woo-hoo! starts winding down. And moving into our preview section, November 11th, um, John Jones is not fighting at UFC 295 in Madison Square. And we were talking about like that pay-per-view points, like none of these guys are going to be getting any because they're not actual champions, which is fucking stupid. But um, bottom up, Diego Lopez versus Pat Sabatini. This is I'm obviously looking forward to seeing Lopez fight again. Uh, Matt Fravola, ranked 14th versus Benoit Saint-Denis. These are lightweights. Uh, Jessica Andrade, ranked 5th versus Mackenzie Dern, ranked 7th at strawweight. Uh, Sergey pa- Pavlovich, ranked 2nd versus Tom Aspinall, ranked 4th for the interim heavyweight title. And then Yuri Proska versus Alex Pereira. They're ranked 1st and 3rd. Uh, the vacant light heavyweight title. Solid card. Yeah, it's pretty good. Did you have something, yeah. Chief? Who are we going to do picks for this one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we should do picks. I, I thought you were saying something earlier, so I just yeah. chiming in. Oh, that just... Mackenzie Dern. Oh, I still have that uh, saved, the video. It's like the top ten baddies in UFC. Well, I still have it. Uh, I thought you meant her accent changing. Oh, because she went from being like full Californian to now she's like Brazilian somehow. Chameleon, just being around Brazilians a lot. Yeah. Anything up for uh for the Lopez Sabatini, Frivola, Sandini, or Andrade versus Dern? Uh, I'll throw my name on Saint Denis and Mackenzie Dern. 
I don't know anything about the other two guys, so I mean, I'll, I'll flip, I don't know, flip a coin and pick one of them. Do I have a coin to flip? Physical currency? Yeah, I got something. Uh, okay, I guess Diego Lopez. I'll take Diego Lopez. Nice. I'll go Sabatini. I think he's the name of one of the uh, bad guy Italians in the Peaky Blinders series. It's... I'll go Saint Denis just because it's the name of that city in uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would pick stuff, so it works perfectly. Dern because, god damn that ass. <laughs> uh, and and Andraj being on like a five fight losing streak yeah, also that was, helps. I wasn't sure if we were <laughs> yeah, gonna bring uh, up like this is pretty much a fucking like this a sparring session for for Dern. The thing is, this is this would be the type of fight where she gets absolutely demolished because Andraj does have hands to some degree, and Dern, well, I wouldn't be surprised if she lost that one. Yeah, I um, also have a tendency to pick the favorite. Or like you know, name who I would, who I'm favoring, and then they lose. It happens a lot in both boxing and MMA. So, <sighs> Pavlovich versus Aspinall. I've got Aspinall. I don't know. Damn. So I'm in a conundrum here. I need I need points to win to to catch up to Chief, but I think Aspinall hey, hey, is. Aspinall's gonna win. We don't have to always... Well, yeah, we don't I think. Have to always opposite. No, I know, but I, I'm, I am, I do think this is a close fight. So my hang-up is Aspinall looks like the more complete fighter, but Pavlovich obviously, I mean, what is he on like a seven-fight first-round knockout streak? Damn. I'll, I'll pick. I guess I'll go. I'll put my name on Pavlovich. Pavlovich, uh, if you want to go for extra points, you got a method. Oh, knockout. I mean, if he's not going to win any other way. Oh, that's stoppage. Aspinall via submission. I do think this this is going to be a really good fight. Whichever way it goes, I think this is going to be really entertaining. Like, it could be significantly better than the Jones-Stipe fight. Yeah, th th these two top fights are just extremely intriguing I, I, I uh, really quickly on this uh, last thing on Pavlovich Aspinall uh, why are they fighting for the interim title and Stipe's not uh, Dana he was the top it, contender right yeah so Stipe was actually got actually got pissed off about this he was like I don't know why they didn't call me and he's like this is my belt I want yeah. it back and I want to fight for it so um, I want to say there was something where like, oh, well, you know, we respect Stipe so much. We didn't want to give him this lower fight against someone no one knows about, essentially. Um, shenanigans. I think, I think it's because Stipe has been champion before and he's got a lot more fights at heavyweight than either of those two guys have and he would be getting paid a lot more. Could definitely be the case. I think it was a business decision to leave him out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I it, think so. And also, um, Stipe is pretty old, right? So, like, if he loses to one of the, 
either one of those two guys that could yeah. that could be the end for them, right? Yeah. And then they don't they, have Jones yeah, Stipe anymore. Yeah, yeah they can't cash him out to Jones. Which now that Jones has gotten injured, I'm kind of I think this is more more things in Stipe's favor to potentially win that fight, but that's neither here nor there. That's next year's problem. <clears throat> yeah. But in front of us we have Yuri Proska versus Alex Pereira, who Pereira's looked pretty awesome at, since he moved up, right? He did. He looked great against Blahovich. Um God damn, this could this be the fight so of the year. Hot. This is this is Yeah, this is so hard, isn't it? I'm profiting them. <laughs> so it's it's mm. funny, they they're both really, really good strikers for different reasons. But they have kind of the same weakness in a sense. So Pereira, obviously kickboxing champion, you know, great fundamentals, you know, throws an incredible left hook. And Prohaska is like kind of extremely unorthodox. He just does like random shit out of nowhere. And he'll, you know, he's very explosive. He'll spring into submissions or he'll throw like, you know, different sorts of kicks out there. And it's very kind of a free flowing form of striking. It's very unpredictable. But both guys are lacking on their striking defense um we saw i mean yuri got tagged plenty when he beat to for the title to is more of a wrestler um and then we obviously saw Pereira get knocked out by izzy just overextending and keeping his hands way too low so like i mean this is like it's gonna be complete uh clusterfuck it's gonna be complete fireworks and then one of these guys is gonna land knock the other out yeah, Jiri's Jury, striking style. It's almost like that uh, Connor sort of thing, you know, where he'll throw like hook kicks and like lean switch kicks or like barbosas. You, you know, like really odd stuff you don't see a lot of other. Um, but like you see, he doesn't quite have the striking defense. Whereas Pereira's a lot more traditionally, he's got a lot more of that kickboxing based style. Um, but he, I think Pereira can be blitzed at, and I think perhaps his strength is blitzing at people. So, based on that, I'm going to go Jury. So, the last time I had to pick um, against Alex, well, I had the opportunity to pick against Alex, I did, and I paid for it. And I don't want to make <laughs> that same mistake again. Um, I think, one thing I think goes in his favor i think he learned from that adesanya fight about i i can't overcommit against these guys yeah, um and he fought really right and and not even just that but also he fought very disciplined he was very measured in his uh, in the blahovich fight um and he i'm surprised anyone want to kick off against blahovich um like that's really impressive yeah even we for how that. good even for how good of a kickboxer he is blahovich is just like you know, he goes shin to shin on, on kicks. I mean, the guy's just built different. So I'll go with old Alex. Any methods? Uh, knockout. I mean, they, I knockout. think both of us are going to be <laughs> asking knockout. And both are going by knockout. Is this going to be like in uh, cartoons where they jump into a, like a dust giant dust ball that spins everywhere and then <laughs> out comes one defeated? Yeah, it's going to look like that. Or it's going to be a double knockout. <laughs> I would pay All money to see that. boring five-round decision you've seen in your life when nobody throws a shot. Yeah, they're like both scared to... 
they don't want to be the first yeah. one to engage. Yeah. Friday, November 17th, Bellator 301. Maybe the last one. This one's in Chicago. Um, Yaroslav Amosov. That This dude is one of the first non-UFC guys that I ever paid attention to. Uh, just because I, I didn't know any better. And so I watched him, and then you guys were telling me, like, he's actually really good, <laughs> despite being in Bellator. Like, don't hold that against him. But he's fighting the number two contender at welterweight. Sergio Pettis, the champion, is fighting Patchy Mix. That's his actual name. The interim champion at Bantamweight. So they're consolidating. But those are the, really the only two. There's another. There's a couple of other fights on there, but eh. Amosov is... Uh, I'm definitely interested to, to see what happens with his career now that uh, Bellator is folding for all intents and purposes. On the 18th, we have a fight night at the Apex. Brendan Allen ranked 10th at middleweight. Paul Craig 13th. That's the headline. Um, let's bottom up. Stop me if you need to. Uh, Johnny Parsons versus Euros Medic. I think it is. Uh, these are welterweights. Uh, Luana Pinero ranked ninth versus Amanda Ribas ranked eleventh at strawweight. Um, I've got Ribas. <laughs> um, anytime, Chief. Anytime you pick a woman, I know that I have to look her up. <laughs> uh, the man has refined taste. He does. He, uh, you, like I mean, you have not no, led no, me no. astray thus far. <laughs> It's not me, it's RJ. It's, not, it's him that gives me all these takes. <laughs> oh, um, uh, throw me down for uh, old Luana. The less, definitely the less pretty of the two, but I need points. <laughs> Peyton Talbot versus Nick Aguirre, bantamweights. Chase Hooper versus Jordan Leavitt, lightweights. I'll take Hooper. Hooper, Hooper please. Yeah, uh, jo I'll take Jordan Lovett. Mm -mm -mm. That name is familiar. I've seen him fight before. Do you know what? He got beaten by Paddy the Baddy. Oh no! Okay, no, no, no. Take my put me on chase. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> uh, his uh. His nickname, by the way, is the Monkey King. So to do with that what you will. I really don't yeah, know what to do with that information. <laughs> I guarantee you it is. The Monkey King? It's on his uh, sure dog profile. All right. Well, get after it, Monkey Man. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Michael Morales versus Jake Matthews at welterweight. These are not monkey kings. Just mo monkey lords. Yeah. I'll take Jake Matthews. The old Aussie. Mm, I got it. I love uh, And the Archdukes of Monkey. Brendan Allen, ranked 10th. Paul Craig, 13th. Middleweights. Oh, I've got I've got Paul Craig. Is this the Scottish dude? It is, uh... And I'll take uh, Brendan Allen, I suppose. All right. 
anything like these are two names I recognize. Um, there's four fucking first names here, um, but those always stand out. What are we looking for from these two as they're trying to climb the ranks? So you're getting confused with Arnold Allen, I think. No. Arnold Allen is the. Oh, you know. No. Um, the, really? He's the featherweight that fought Max Holloway. Yep. Yeah. Excuse me, Leo, you are not as casual as I want to assume. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just remember stuff. That's uh, I, it. Yeah. <laughs> Craig's the um, crazy submission guy. He paints his face blue at weigh-ins and stuff. He's the... Uh, yeah, um, you showed me a picture of that. Guy. Yeah, he's, um, he's a crazy guy. <clears throat> so, yeah, they, everyone kind of got displaced, or at least the, the top nine did, because Shemayev jumped into the rankings at number nine. So, this is the, uh, they, I would say, at least in Craig's uh, situation, he's looking to retain a ranking. I think if he lost here, he, he, he's ranking uh, would probably disappear. And Brandon Allen, he probably has some wiggle room, but he probably doesn't want to move any more backwards than he already is. Well, he would drop to 14th or 15th, right? Probably. He'd be on the edge at that point. And Paul Craig would be completely out. Well... Sean Strickland will be watching with great interest. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they lost to the uh, mayor and Walker. I forgot about that. Hmm. No, I'm still sticking with him. So. Anything more on this fight night card before we take uh, get the last one? Just really quickly, wanted to if. If Bellator is being absorbed by PFL, I'm going to have to start paying a little bit more attention to their stuff. And this is like their finals for the season, for the 2023 season. So that's kind of fun. It's like baseball. This is your cue, Nathan. You can feel free to shit all over me. Oh, yeah. How about how about those Texas Rangers? They shoot about fucking snakes with dead aim. Yeah, I... I... I'm, I'm sorry for anyone who thought uh, that a rattlesnake was going to have a chance against a Texan. I mean, we literally have a convention out in, uh, where is it? Uh, like Amarillo, we'd have the, no, rattlesnake roundup out in, uh, you ever heard of this? No. Leo? Mm-mm. Where, where are we fucking do it? This sounds uh, very Texan, though. It's out in Sweetwater, yeah. We, we literally find, like, uh... A bunch of rattlesnakes, and we just kind of kick them around and turn show them, them off belts. and eat them. Oh yeah! Hey, did you say Amarillo? Is that a real place? Yeah. I thought it was just we wish it wasn't. <laughs> I thought it was just made up with the song. Yeah, Amarillo is a real place. It's in the Panhandle. Um, oh. That's not where Rattlesnake Roundup is. That's actually in Sweetwater. But, uh, oh, right. but I mean, it might as well be. It's a you know West Texas town, oil town kind of thing. That makes uh, sense. Speaking of baseball, uh, did you see the Rangers are favorites to sh- to sign Shohei Otani? I was just reading about him. They were yeah, <clears throat> yeah. He's a fucking beast. I don't know yeah, much that... about baseball, but so he is like a ace pitcher, right? Well, that, but also he, he... can fucking has a rocket. He's a, a modern, he's a yeah, he's a modern day Babe Ruth. Like, he is a he's the best pitcher and art. He's like the best pitcher and the best hitter, basically. Where's he yeah. coming from? He's from 
he was with uh, the angels but they've like kind of squandered his talents since he came over from japanese league yeah and uh now he's a free agent what do you say chief no oh i thought you were yeah it sounded like you were gonna say something uh what's going on uh i it's crazy like the the Japanese and Korean leagues are basically feeder or farm systems for the MLB. Yeah, I mean the Japanese leagues are—they've been churning out really good uh, pitchers, especially for the last couple of years. Darvish remember, comes to mind. Yeah, you Darvish. He yeah. was a Rangers uh, draft. The teams will actually like line up. They'll have like exclusive bidding mm-hmm. rights on Japanese players when they come out. Really? It's like a certain. It's like the Rangers were one of the top teams to negotiate with whatever team Darvish was with. And that's also why the Yankees got, I think, Tanaka. They were one of the top, I don't, I don't know if they had the, I think they had rights to get them before anyone else. It's, it's something weird like that. I'm not read up on exactly how it works, but. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that's how it was yeah. set up. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, if that's been adjusted anymore. Cause now that, I mean, Jap- the Japanese leagues are being I mean, they're they're even more scouted now than, or just as scouted rather than like you know the Dominican Republic and Cuba is. Yeah, I was gonna say there's what, a lot how, of prospects come from there. I was gonna ask like how does that how does that compare with the Asian leagues versus the like the Caribbeans? But well, that's a uh, we can talk about that in a different right. setting. Um, I, I will just chime in one more thing. Been a Rangers fan for. 13 years 14 years now yeah 14 um and so actually having them win i'm gonna it's gonna keep me happy for a long long (laughs) they introduced me to heartbreak as a sports fan (laughs) they went they went to -to back-to-back world series in 10 and 11 lost them both so when i played little league i was on the diamondbacks all the time every every year that i played little league but That's I don't really, cool. I don't follow baseball. But so, but if I had to pick somebody, I'm gonna pick the Diamondbacks. Just my pro tip is, if you want to watch baseball, just scoreboard watch until about mid-August, and then start watching because that's when it gets actually exciting yeah. and fun to watch. Yeah, and once the playoff contention comes into play. Right. All right. But... PFL Championship in Washington D.C. on the 24th. Um, I'm gonna just kind of breeze through these unless you guys know who any of these people are because I don't other than the heavyweights I don't really know anybody else on this list um, and I don't know the order either they just they have it listed in such a way like you would think the heavyweights would be last they would be the main event but they're not or I don't yeah. know if they are the two top that top fight there those guys are both ex UFC fighters Clay Collard and Olivier. Olivier. Albin. Albin. Yeah. Um, just looking at the other names. Those are lightweights. Uh, yeah, no one knew was ring a bell, but no, the top two definitely were um, UFC guys. Uh, Sadi Busai uh, versus Magomed, Magomed Karimov. Welterweights. His name is uh, John Johnson. Renan Ferreira versus Dennis Golstov. We talked about those heavyweights a little while ago in 
the context of fighting in Ganu. Uh, Larissa Pacheco versus Marina Mokna. No, damn it. Mokna. Any relation to Diego? Do you think? Who? Diego Pacheco, the boxer, right? Am I making that up? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Let me let's look that up because that would be interesting. Yeah, he's fighting on the 18th. No, uh, she's Brazilian, yeah. and uh, Diego's uh, yeah. Mexican American. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Pinedo versus uh, Gabriel Braga, featherweights, and Joshua Silveira versus Impa Kasanganai, light heavyweights. Yeah, well, I guess uh, uh, view at your own risk. I'm not entirely certain what I, the heavyweight fight seems like. It's going to be. Uh, you know, fireworks, but I can't speak to the rest of it. Uh, that's it. That's all we got. I think we got most uh, a lot of news talk on the top. Oh, uh, I did have one that'll chime in. Uh, it looks like the UFC is trying to book Islam and Oliveira 2 for February. So hmm. hopefully the universe can get set right then. Yeah, that That'll be fun. Uh, yeah, oh, actually, Oliveira was at the card, the fight night card that just happened. He was at the, he was sitting like front row, and uh, Mrs. Oliveira is worth looking up. All right, well, that's gonna do it for this one. So let's get ourselves wrapped up. Uh, 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 um, let's see, other shows on Lux Media. We mentioned B sides quite frequently. Because, uh, yeah, boxing, MMA, it's, it's they go hand in hand. Um, Hard Shell Tacos, it's a, it's a show I do with my cousin. It's like a slice of life. Um, and then Progressive Patriots, there's both U.S. and, uh, like, worldwide news. And it is political, so, you know, I think the name should give you a good idea of what it's about or what it, how it leans. So, you know, if that's going to bother you, then maybe don't don't check that one out. Oh, do the internet stuff is my favorite phrase. Uh, social media posts or social media accounts, interact with those would be really helpful. Rating and reviewing on your preferred podcast platform. That's like fucking vital, please. It would really, really help. Social media handles are all LVX Media Net. Contact options, you can go to lvxmedia.net, hit the ultimate fucking casual button that'll take you to the page where there's an email option and then there's a phone a phone number that you can call or text it's anonymous and unattended I don't even answer my own phone so not sure I really probably would not answer it not answer my business number uh, merch we have merch um, the design is very human if, you, if you're a designer I would love your help all right, parting words, you guys. Anything to plug? Anything to anything to throw out there? Uh, fuck Tyson Fury. Yeah. Um, if anybody has any recommendations for healing a scaphoid fracture or a medial one second medial cuneiform fracture, please let me know because I would like to get going. As quick as possible. But Pope Tyson Perry, yeah, you're right. 
Fuck Tyson Fury and Ganu won. Usyk versus Ganu for the real undisputed heavyweight boxing championship. <laughs> also, that's the point. Is Ngannou, should Ngannou officially be the lineal heavyweight champion of the world now? Arguable. I would say it's arguable. It's uh, not yeah. uh, It's not like an ideal outcome as much as I dislike mm-hmm. Tyson Fury. Doesn't bode well for my, my first love of boxing. No, All right. If there's nothing else, uh, be sure to check out your local Rattlesnake Roundup. That's going to do it for this episode of Ultimate Fucking Casual. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you have any questions or comments on what was discussed or have a topic you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can leave a message on our unattended phone line at 833-589-7637. That's 833-LUX-PODS. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lvxentertainment.net.